Today we continue in our series on Life is a Highway, Let's Go. And we are in the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus today. It is a pivotal passage of doubt and answer to fear. And it is a story for us to receive this day to the glory of God. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam. And Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat in, to eat in the evening, and the fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaint that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaint is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke, the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know where it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much as each of you needs, and omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The, Israelite, the Israelites did so. Some gathered more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over. And those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. The word of the Lord for the people. Thanks be Thanks to God. Be to go down and we, pick up, we turn on the radio and we kick out the tunes. And Rascal Flats would not be a stranger to my playlist. I love racing, well, going carefully down the road. <laughs> on the highways that God leads me to. And I know that you like cranking tunes too. I know they're different tunes, perhaps. 
but we all have the tunes we listen to and we all have road trips that we remember and the ones we're still trying to forget. Been on a road trip? It's important to know when we go on our road trips what we need to leave behind and what we need to take with us. Last week, Amy did a wonderful job of helping us to think through all the things we carry with us foolishly and needlessly that just weigh us down and slow us down and sometimes freeze us in one spot. And we got to let go of that stuff. And after we've let go of the stuff that we need to let go of, we still have to consider what do we need for the journey that's changed for me over the years. When I first uh, went on a road trip with Bill Papineau and Norm Gage after our freshman year, I mean our senior year of high school, before we were going to leave each other and go to college, we hopped into my Dodge Dart and we headed up to, that's a plug, yes, there you go, uh, we headed up to, uh, to Canada. And all we really needed was Vienna sausages and pop. We were good to go. It was, it was all we needed. Later when I got uh, uh, married and Laura and I would go on road trips back to North Carolina with the girls, we always made sure while well, we had all the necessities. You know how it is when you first have children? You know, you buy like, you know, the Uber van because it's all the kid stuff, right? And you pack in everything. But you also, when they get a little older, need to make sure they've got their goodie bag. Okay, here's a test for some of you. Do you remember what cassette players were? We always have our We Sing cassette players wrapping in the back. You know, there are different things you need because if you don't bring them, it's going to be a much longer trip. Amen? The truth is our life is a journey, and we're on a highway. Sometimes it feels like we're lost on a back road, but we're ultimately moving in a direction, called to go to a direction, and sometimes find yourselves alone that way challenged and worn out and maybe even a little lost. How many of you have gone on really long road trips? The one they were on was 40 years. And where we are in the story is on the sixth week. Six weeks on a road trip. That's when the excitement begins to wane a bit. Six weeks on a road trip is, well, let's think about it. Six weeks would be like entering into October in your first semester of college. The rush is over. You've gotten to know what your roommate is really like. And, oh, yes, they do have tests here, too. It's six weeks into boot camp where you survive. It's six weeks on a business trip where you just got to keep getting up each day looking like you're glad to be there. It's six weeks after the death, and all of the rush and falderall has faded away, and now it's just you, and they're gone. It's six weeks. Six weeks is long enough to discover the depth of loneliness. Six weeks is when our initial courage begins to fade and gives over to doubt. It's when excitement is replaced with boredom, when sadness becomes despair, and where the fears that we've been keeping hidden from deep inside ourselves begin to eke out. You feel trapped at times six weeks into a road trip and begin to wonder if you'll ever get there or if you should have ever tried. Begin to feel like you're in a wilderness, no place to go. God can feel remote when you're in a wilderness, when you're lost on the highway of life, when you've taken the wrong turn, 
when you don't know how to get back to where you are. This is not a road trip in the wilderness like we talk about a hike in the woods where we feel God and nature. This is more like when you're going through creation and you're pretty certain creation is trying to kill you. So survival replaces living. All your hopes and dreams, what you want to be experiencing now, maybe get laid aside and all you're trying to do is get through the next day or to the next day. What we do is to compromise everything we thought we'd be doing on the trip just to get along, to get further down the road. The Hebrews, for example, were created to honor God, and they were given this wonderful mission to go out in his name and go towards a promised land, and six weeks into the journey, they are already grumbling. They just as soon die or go back to being slaves. You know what it is to be lost on your way and to compromise, to sell out, to settle for less? You ever find yourself feeling forced, whatever you wanted it to be, now you're feeling forced to make choices between work and family? Do you understand what it is to feel like no matter what you're going to do, no matter how many other people say you're doing great, in that person's eyes, you're always going to be less than You know what it feels like to be so scared that all the security you hoped you would have would not be there when you would really need it? Do you know what it is to have started out on a journey but discovered that what you've really done is given your sense of self-worth over to the hands of those who will never affirm you? And we feel inferior the rest of our lives, no matter what else we succeed at, because in this area, that person has reminded us we are not quite what we could have been. Okay, so let's get a little more specific. Let's not talk theoretical. My heart aches for parents today. Not because, oh, you've got it so much worse than every other generation, but because I've gone through it with you, and I now look back and I see where you are, and I know the pressure you're under. The pressure you have to compromise about what you want for your kids and and you begin believing what others tell you, that they've got to get into this school, and they've got to get to that practice, and they've got to make this team, and we've got to chase them all around the world uh, so they can be really good soccer players until they're 10th grade and no longer can do it anymore. So we compromise family time, we compromise quiet time, and we leave church behind because, well, that's when practices are. I carry in my prayers the concerns of all who have talked to me in recent months of their fears about the security for your future. You're afraid. All kinds of issues out there, the, the health care issues and work issues and all the like, but you're running around scared because you're not sure whether retirement will be possible for you when you thought it would and when you get there, whenever that is, what's it going to look like? I worry for a lot of you just the fact you're trying to balance what everyone's asking you to do and what you need. You're frazzled and you're afraid and you're stressed. Oh, you're successful. And that's part of the problem because the more successful you are, the more they want you to be more stressed and scattered and afraid in your personal life. I look at our church and I I go, wow, so, so cool, so many great things are happening. And 
we try to fit it in amidst all the other things we're trying to fit in in our life as if it really is just one of those activities and one of those organizations. Not really the kingdom of God or the place of salvation or all those other things that they talk about from the front. I look at the faith community, I look at faithful people, and we begin to question whether or not we're going to have enough to do what we need to do in terms of ministry, in terms of the church. We are exactly where they were on that sixth week. We're in a place where there's so much potential. We're on a holy mission, and already people are saying, are we going to be able to afford all this? Can we do all this? How are we going to eat? We're going to starve to death. We better step back a bit. We better, let's go all the way back because it'll be safer then. And my anger gets enraged when I look at people that I just want to cuss them out because they're so darn arrogant for treating other people so badly and cussing them out. <laughs> and I get arrogantly upset about people who are arrogantly upset about others. <laughs> and I remember Jesus hanging from a cross, blood dripping, looking at those who killed him and said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there wasn't a bit of sarcasm in his voice at all. Do you hear me, church? You see, I don't think it's uncommon to be lost six weeks in the wilderness, and I think a lot of us are six weeks in the wilderness. So what are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to address this? Well, let's feel more bad about ourselves. That's good. Let's feel guilty. Let's feel like we really are failing as parents and as a church and as people. Let's walk out with that. That's when we've known we've gotten close to Jesus. <laughs> How many can I make cry today? You know, I don't think the gospel, I don't think the story here says anything about any of that nonsense gives us a very simple message, a very two-word message that we're called to live out. We're called to experience in all these places where we're struggling, in all these six weeks moments on the highway. Be bold. Be bold about where you are on this journey. Be bold as, like they were in the journey. They began to question. They began to doubt. At least they were reflecting on their situation. They were being honest about the truth that they were scared. They didn't think they had enough. They were bold enough to say it. How many of us have been choking back the truth of our fears for too long and allowed them to control us with their silence? Be bold. Lay it out there. Be honest with the truth because you know what? The truth might, in fact, create possibilities for hope and deliverance. They were truthful. They were bold in their truthfulness. They even turned to God and said, what the heck are you doing? Have you ever wanted to say to God, what the heck are you doing? Become pastor of a church, you'll say it a lot. <laughs> what are you thinking? Why is it going this way? Why can't it be like this? Be bold in letting God know you're frustrated and scared and worried and confused and don't know what to do. Lay it out there in front of God. Because once you're bold, you begin to discover the truth is where the discovery and reality and recovery really live. They were scared because there wasn't enough food. They went to God, and when you're scared, lay it out in front of you and God boldly. Maybe for the first time in a long time because you've been selling for way too long. Be bold. Tell it like it is. This past week out in Kansas where I and the program staff spent three weeks together 
Um, perhaps the first thing you need to know is we have come back and we still like each other. Someone say amen. amen. Praise God, hallelujah, and oh my God, that happened. Not only do we like each other, we're more in covenant relationship with each other than we've ever been, and we're holding each other accountable, and that sometimes means you have to look at each other and become honest and truthful with each other. And when you start to do that in intimate relationships, you can decide whether that's going to break the relationship or make it the best relationship you could never imagine. And in the honesty of staff and the honesty of revelation in that context, I can tell you, and you'll be discovering the weeks ahead, we're coming back with far more conviction a tighter sense of unity, and a single purposefulness for what we now know God is asking us to do, and we are not going to go off point. We're not going to leave the message. We're not going to stop until we have accomplished that singular mission with great clarity, connecting all, all, all people to people and people to God. And we will not settle just because I got connected or you got connected there are lonely, lost people all around us, and we are not going to stop until all are connected to each other and to the God of Jesus Christ. That's the message, and if you don't like it, come back next Sunday, you're going to hear it again. Be bold. Be bold enough to let the truth come up around you and begin to change you. And then have courage. They were bold enough to ask God for what they needed, and then God gave them what they needed. I'm going to give you all the food you need out here in the wilderness. I'm going to give you quail in the morning, or I mean quail and manna throughout the day. Quail and manna, not a bad meal. You pay big bucks for that in a restaurant today. But what would you have done on the first night the food appeared? You've been hungry for six weeks. You're going out another 40 years minus six weeks. <laughs> and the food lands all around you on the ground. And you hear God say, just take enough for what you need, an omer. Now, an omer, if, for those of you who don't know, like I did, I had to look it up, three pounds. Take up three pounds of, of bread, but no more. Just take enough for tonight, because tomorrow there'll be more. What would you do if you hadn't eaten much for six weeks and you had a long journey ahead and the food's laying out in front of you right now and God says, you know, take some for tonight, but you don't need to take any more than you need because I'm going to give you more tomorrow. Would you really just take three pounds? Would you be bold enough to trust that the promises of God are actually true? Would you be willing to say, well, God, I really trust you. I really believe in you, but I'm going to take just a little bit more in case, you know, like you get busy tomorrow. You know, I'm going to, I know I'm supposed to trust in you, God, for everything, but I'm going to go ahead and continue to abandon the needs of my family so that I can go ahead and get after that major promotion that will allow me to have more money and less time with my family down the road. I'm just taking care of my family, God, because, you know, I need to do that. And God would say, you know what? The Israelites did have to do work. They did have to do something. He didn't put it in their pot. They had to go out, and they had to bring the food in. It ain't nothing about not working. It's nothing about not being successful. It's about deciding how are you living your life, and what are you doing, and who are you serving, and who are you blessing in the name of God. And on that night, would you take in just three pounds, or would you take in just a little bit more for the snack? They were bold enough to trust 
Bold enough not only to trust for them, but for their children. I'm not going to take any more. I'm going to trust that God's going to provide. You know what we did today? You know what we did today to your children? We got them wet. And you made promises to get them wet. And we made promises for those children. But do you understand, before this service is over, their hair is going to be dry? Will their baptismal vows be? Will we continue to serve our children and their children and your children so that one day they won't go, gee, was I baptized? Or will they know every day for the rest of their life, I'm a baptized child, disciple of Jesus Christ, and I know so because my mom and dad and my grandparents, my Sunday school teacher, my fellow church members have told me every day of my life, I'm a baptized, claimed child of Jesus Christ. And I see it being lived out in my parents' life too and my grandparents' life and the parents of the families of my family, which is called the church what we're doing today we're bold enough to say we're going to do this all the way because god is with us in this all the way be bold be bold enough to have the conviction of faith that what god has promised will be kept and given to us and then be bold enough to keep moving Boy, there's a temptation in all of us on a 40-year journey to stop six weeks in and say, we're good. This is great. I'm, I like it here. Whether that's your family life, your work life, or your marriage, or your friendship, let me tell you this. Six weeks ain't nothing. Six months isn't anything six years you haven't even started and all along the way of the journey of faith you're on as parents as spouses as friends and as the church we need to remember that in each and every day we need to be bold in our vows bold in our covenants bold in our relationships and bold in the way in which we stand in faith and if others want to ridicule us or others want to question us let them do it because we know where we stand we know whose we are we know what journey we're on and we know when we get to the end of the journey we want to be able to be bold in saying this is a life that's been faithfully lived. It has been fully embraced, and others have been blessed because of the boldness of those people who are in the faith with Jesus Christ. Internment services are powerful moments. And when you stand at an internment service and you know that the life that you are leaving this world with has been sold out entirely to faith and holiness in the Jesus Christ, let me tell you, that's an exclamation mark you're going to want to have. Be bold. I don't know what your issues are this week. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the challenges. I don't know the pressures. So I'm going to ask you to just do this with me today. I want you to take whatever they are, and I want you to capture them in your heart and mind right now. And I want you to understand that one of the things I'm asking you to do in the gospel right here is to lay down anything that you feel timid about those moments. Take them on. That's your story. It's your life. Don't let someone else dictate them. Don't let someone else tell them what to do. Don't let someone else tell you what the priorities are. You are a child of God, and God has claimed you, and God has led you, and God has blessed you, and God has fed you, and God right now is saying to you, be bold where you live today. So tomorrow, on the highway that you're on, you will continue in the fullness and joy of Jesus Christ. Be bold. 
be bold, because in this world, those who are bold will eventually knock over those who are no longer listening and bring about redemption. We're on a journey. We're on a highway. Let's go and be bold in the name of Christ. Amen.